Welcome back to the Student Athlete Sessions presented by D3 Direct. Today, we are joined by Andrew Greenblatt, former men's basketball player at Swarthmore College. And this is going to be a special episode because Andrew, or as he's more familiarly known to guys in the, in the program, Greeny, uh, is a guy I played with during my college career, had a big impact on me during school and, uh, and after, and we can get into that. But first, um, quick message from our from our sponsor, Play Overseas. Play Overseas is a, an organization that is helping student athletes a lot from the Division III level to extend both their athletic and academic careers. They, they offer this great service that is free to the student athlete. They leverage their connections in the UK, help them find a team that needs their services and also a master's that might fit their academic interests and maybe get that at a discounted cost. So if you know, you're thinking around this fall, student athletes and uh, you're not sure what you want to do, you don't want to jump straight in the nine to five, consider looking at play overseas. We have a link in our bio with a lot more information. And yeah, these, these people are great and they are doing it for the right reasons. So give them a look. Um, yeah, play overseas. Now, with that said, we're going to jump into the episode. Andrew Greenblatt is here today. Andrew, as I mentioned, is a former teammate of mine. So this is a, this is a special episode. And um, but beyond that, you know, is just a, a curious and empathetic guy. He is a lifelong learner, someone who has tried many things, has used the game of basketball to go many places, and I think is a great example. Um, oftentimes, someone I, I reference when I'm trying to think about my own career and the, and the path uh, of someone who's done it differently, and I think really benefited because of that. And um, Andrew is now the successful owner of a career coaching practice. He has numerous clients, tons of reviews online. If you want to check him out, uh, we will get you the links in the show notes and, uh, and let him promo that stuff a little later. And he is also the founder of a cool new venture that we will dive into called Athletes in Transition, which I think can help a ton of current athletes and, and people just, you know, wrapping up their athletic careers and wondering how to tie up the loose ends there. So Long intro, Andrew, welcome to the program. Carl, thank you so much for having me. Man, that's a, that's a great intro. You knocked it out of the park. Yeah. I, it's great to be here. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's good to have you. And I think we'll start this off uh, as we do with most of our guests. I'm going to allow you to give a little intro to the listeners. Okay. Um, share something that, that you, know, you feel like is uh, critical to to, to what makes, what makes you who you are, um, what makes you greeny. So feel free to share that. You know what? I think, I think in this, in this spirit of D3 direct and, and who's the, tell my story through the lens of sport. And, and for me, basketball became, I would say a like serious business at a very young age um combination of like, like social pressures internal stuff uh, my astrological and psychological makeup that I inherited and then like having a very intense dad who was yelling from the stands and getting into it with coaches like all of that stuff um basketball became really really important to me for better and for worse and uh that 
fiery intensity has taken me all over from leading improv-based communication programming at the IMG academies down in Florida, but sneaking off during my lunch breaks and in the mornings to go like work with the basketball program and getting in trouble, um, to touring the country with PGC basketball, point guard college, and being a basketball instructor there, working with athletes all over the world, um, to literally like co-producing a basketball tournament in Tibet and dealing with some pretty severe post-concussive symptoms as well. Um, which led me to like deeply explore the inner emotional and psychological landscape and has led me to mindfulness practices and meditation and things that I've been studying in depth for, for almost 10 years now. So Athletes in Transition is a culmination of all of those things and trying to, trying to take that into something that other people can benefit from. But I would say navigating that fire and that competitiveness and that playfulness and all the relationships along the way is a big part of what makes me me. Yeah, well said. And there, there's a lot that, that, that has gone into, um, I guess we'll say, yeah, to that end product and, and to where you are today. And, and I'm sure much more exploration to come. But um, let's take it back to, to what you were talking about with you know, you're at the start of your basketball journey. And as a, you know, we were teammates, played basketball. That's how we got to know each other. And, and, you know, some of those examples you just shared, working at IMG, PGC, the, the hoops tournament to bat basketball has been this foundational, foundational tool that you've used to explore. But how do you, you know, how did you first get into it and, and take, take the listeners from that stage into you kind of getting really serious about it and thinking, you know, maybe this is something I can do in college. Okay. It's so interesting because I've never really thought about the beginning. I do remember being super athletic and loving sports in middle school. I think I was like the only kid in my middle school who was playing four sports. I played a sport in every season, uh, soccer, volleyball, it was soccer in the fall, basketball in the winter, uh, volleyball in, in like the spring and baseball in the summer or something. And I remember in high school, uh, I was playing on the soccer, on the freshman soccer team. And I discovered that there were these like open gym runs going on for the basketball guys. And then I was missing these runs because I was playing on the soccer team. And I like quit the soccer team two days later <laughs> and was like, I need to be, I need to be in these runs because uh, I was the best at basketball. And, you know, it, it's actually a theme that the athletes in transition covers. And that um, I think a lot of people who might be listening to this, this podcast might be navigating, which is the ways that competence being really good at a sport leads to a narrowing and a specifying and a, an overlay of competition. And for me, like, you know, one of the other things that makes, that makes me greeny is that I'm over competitive and I care a lot. So if anybody out there is over competitive and cares a lot, just in general, this one, this one is for you. I think that um, applies to a lot of people <laughs> in the sports community. Right? Generally. So, you know, look, I saw people who I 
imagine myself competing for playing time with in these open gym runs. And that, that is, I had to get in there and that's when it all um, started. Once, once I did that, I knew that my goal was to play in college. I just wanted to take it as far as I possibly could because I was having so much fun and like, and it was an outlet for my fiery intensity and I was good at it. Like it's fun to be good at it. So I knew, I knew right away that I wanted to, to go as far as I possibly could. Yeah. Yeah. And that specialization, you know, you talked about, or like the, the narrowing, I think there's a lot of conversations, at least on Twitter that we've seen um, the reform sports po- project is a great one that uh, Nick Bonacar does, who shockingly is a former D3 athlete. Um, he's got a podcast out where he kind of talks about that, that, that subject with coaches and, you know, cautions parents to be careful about like excessive specialization. But I think, you know, you get to the point in high school and your story where it was something where, you know, it was your passion and your desire, the kids focus um, and, and want to, to switch things up that, that drove that change. And I think that that can be really positive and, and, um, so kind of, kind of a, a little nuance in the specialization discussion, but. I mean, absolutely. Nobody, nobody put, put it on me. And I'm so glad that I, that I focused and drove hard because like when we're, when I was younger, younger, you know, it, you're looking for things. I was looking for things to, to attach my identity to and to progress in. And it was awesome. And I think that like, like specialization gets a bad rap and I think it's prolonged specialization that's really the problem. And like this myopic idea that if it's not competitive or progressive or profitable, it's not worthwhile. And like, (laughs) for me, um, let me actually slow down with this for a second. No, I think I hear you. Yeah, there's one more thing I want to add here, which is, which is for me, it was so, it is so important to engage in a language. Like basketball is a language. It's a body language. And as human beings, we all share these pretty similar bodies, like by and large, very similar nervous systems. And looking back and seeing it now through the lens of athletes in transition, it was incredibly important to dive deep into this particular way that, that the world and information processes through my body and my nervous system. Because it bonded me just naturally. It's like, I just understand basketball players. We understand each other. I feel an affinity and a connection to other people that is entirely unspoken. And what has been so beautiful in extending beyond that has been engaging with other languages. Like now that, now that I don't need the competency anymore, like I don't need to be a 90% free throw shooter so that the specificity of grouping in that language doesn't really serve me um, as much as, you know, like what I was doing earlier today of like really engaging my, my pelvic floor and my hip crease in my yoga practice because I'm trying to um, embody a more like, like engage the unconscious in my body and, in, and connect with the foundational pieces of my like literal physical posture so that then bonds me to other human beings you know who are going through that journey and are thinking about that and 
resonate with those metaphors. So we can live our whole lives in our sport and yes. And also I think it's important to expand while also like really deeply appreciating the ways that these specific forms and, um, and patterns endear us towards people and connect us to the world uh, and expand ourselves, right? It's not, it's not all bad to, to specialize, so. Yeah. yeah, well said. Thanks. Well said. That's not too esoteric. I made no promises about that. So we'll, we're going to. No. Yeah. This is free flowing. We, we post our interviews unedited and, and we want, we want to hear, you know, hear that. And I think you're onto something too. You know, it is a, it is a connection. I think, you know, in my own experience playing, using the game to go to different places and, and you as well, like it's something that regardless of whether or not you speak the same language, you can, you can, you can get to know someone by just playing basketball or playing another sport um, that you, that you both share and, and value. And, and um, it's, there is that extra, that element of connection. I think that, that a lot of people will resonate with um, that you're talking about. I think to a, to a further extent, you know, if you do speak the same language and you go to the same school um, as we did, there is a, an added degree of connection and, and, and brotherhood or, um, sure. you know, I, I think a lot of D3 athletes, something that I talk about in the space of hiring and, and why former college athletes are such desirable candidates to hire um, or, or viewed by employees, employers as such desirable candidates to hire. And I think part of it is if there are any athletes in the organization, they can look at a current athlete who's graduating and say, you know, I have at least some idea of who this person is because of what they've gone through for four years and, and what they've put their body through and their mind through. And, and, and there's a shared connection there as well. So it, it is, um, yeah, playing a sport, body, body, mind, and, uh, and a whole lot more. Um, but yeah, I, I want to hear a little, little bit back onto the recruiting trail. Cause I think a lot of our listeners and and families um, who tune in are people trying to do it themselves and and are looking for stories and advice. Um, so, how did a kid from from Long Island make it to uh, make it for a little further down south and end up in Swarthmore, Pennsylvania, for college? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I should say that I was the first college basketball player to come out of my high school in about ten years. And it was about 10 years before another, another player came out of my high school. And there's a lot of factors that contribute to that from like people who are really talented, who lived in my area, choosing to go to private schools, to basketball not being particularly emphasized in my high school. Um, who knows, you know? I'm not saying it to, to, for people to think I'm special. I'm saying it for people to really understand that if they want this, they can have it. And it doesn't really matter where you, where you come from. In fact, my, I had a dream to play, you know, college basketball, and this was well known. I remember going to my guidance counselor who was helping me apply to colleges. And I was like, okay, my main goal is to play basketball in college. And she was like, I really think you should apply early to Michigan because they have rolling admissions. And I was like, lady, like, are you like, just look at me. Like, there's no way. Like, that's not, I don't think that's going to be a fit. I don't have time to explain why, but it's just not going to be a fit. Right. If I had YouTube at that time, I probably would have just sent her some like University of Michigan highlights and let her figure it out for herself. <laughs> um, 
so for me it was really like I, I felt I felt like I had to advocate for myself and um, I remember there were some services I think my parents paid for one where that like made me um, a highlight tape which was pretty cool but I don't think that helped as much as just having really good grades and like working on my game and going to some of these local showcases that I remember was the most helpful thing because I didn't play on a um, like a premier AAU team, uh, but there were national, there were these local showcases where you posted your grades and coaches can go around and like scout you that I think was the most helpful for me. So that's from a logistical standpoint. Also, like going back to the beginning of this podcast, I care a lot. I just cared about basketball so much with my heart and my soul and um, everyone around me knew it. And coaches in the area just, I always found someone who was willing to help me work on my game. And I'm so grateful for that. So there were, there were always opportunities for me to focus on getting good. And it's a big thing that they say at PGC, like focus on getting good versus focus on getting seen. And that, that really resonated with me because like I was young coming into college, I was good, but I wasn't like that good. And um, every minute that I spent like just working on my game and finding joy within the game and deepening my love for it while like having grades that set me apart, I think that's what like helped me get into Swarthmore ultimately. When I showed up for my recruiting visit, I bawled out, you know, and it wasn't because like, and, and I, I remember um, just having so much fun and it being a very joyful, exciting process. So I think you, that, yeah. Were you playing with the team? Yeah. Like a scrimmage or? Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. It was really fun. I actually remember going on a recruiting trip to another D3 school and I had these like horrible blisters on my feet and I promised my parents I wouldn't play. And, you know, when everyone was like getting their shoes, obviously I just couldn't help. And I just totally ripped up my feet, but I played pretty well and had a great time and like limped around the rest of the weekend. But, you know, I was just having so much fun in the process and like enjoying getting better at basketball and, um, yeah, the, sh the showcases are probably, are definitely, definitely for me, what did it more than any, like, I don't even know what people might be doing, but some people around me at that time were hiring expensive services or like politicking in some way. And it just, I don't know, it just didn't really matter for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think that message, especially now of like focus on getting good rather than getting seen is, is important and, and exposure does matter and there's a place for it, but I think there is an overemphasis it, we're shifting too far to that side of things. And um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, if, if Devin George can make the NBA from Augsburg in Minnesota and Steve Nash can win MVPs coming out of Santa Clara with only one offer and, you know, Dame time can become what it was coming out of Weber state. Then like yeah. John Moran, Steph, Steph Curry, one offer at Davidson. Exactly. Exactly. It's just like, the evidence is, is everywhere that if you want to pursue life in the game and enjoying the game and working on it is the best thing to do. Um, but that for me, I, I keep talking about enjoyment because for many years, I was taking it way too seriously. And that's a lot of why, that's a lot of why athletes and transition was important to me because when I was 
facing the end, like we we're talking about the beginning, the exciting part, when I was facing the end, you know, it felt like a part of me was being uh, harvested away, like, like surgically forcibly removed without my will, the, the term for it is um, in that you in that you had to give up the basketball that basketball yeah. identity as you left school yeah yeah like like the psychobabble term for it is identity foreclosure if you imagine like what it means for a house to be foreclosed upon to be mm. uh, forcibly taken over by the bank and removed from habits um so that someone who's early in that process to remind them to enjoy the game, uh, to like literally enjoy the game, enjoy the feeling of the ball in their hands, enjoy the connections that they're making is like the best thing. The best thing to, to develop an identity that is specific and does result in um, competence, you know, and to be a college athlete, it's like hyper competence. And also, text protects joy. So yeah, when you're when you're deep in the throes of the season, that's like that's like vital. And for me, reconnecting to that was always like the most important thing. Yeah, I mean, I think back to my own career, and and when the when there were those tough moments, I, you always did a good job of of bringing it back to to the joy or trying to make it a game again, or, you know, take the, take the seriousness out of it or, or just um, bring some perspective back. I think about, you know, my freshman year when I was, was a couple of weeks on a, on a campus and, and got a pretty bad ankle sprain in some open run and, and had high, high sights set for my freshman year and was all of a sudden out for four weeks. And I, I remember we sitting on the porch at our dorm and, and you're just, you know, give me some life lessons and really helping me look, look beyond this thing that I felt like was the end of the world at the moment. And, um, you know, then once the season got rolling, for whatever reason, the coach at the time was trying to play me at point guard, which was a mistake for any, for anyone who, uh, who knows my game. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's true. We were we were a little yeah. shorthanded, um, but yeah, and and yeah. I think three of our point guards. <laughs> yeah, but but you took me aside and and you know in the run up to that first week or maybe it was a scrimmage, tried to run me through some drills you had learned with 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 someone maybe PGC that summer and um you know broke broke it down for me in a way that made me less nervous about like playing a new position and more like just focus on these things. And, um, you know, I think that perspective then helped me when I was in that role as a senior to really share that on and, pa and pass on that, that mindset of, you know, this might seem like the end of the world. This might seem like such a big deal now, but, but here's some, here's some senior or some junior upperclassmen wisdom. And so I think you always did a good job with that. Thank you. I, I really appreciate that. And it, it's always meant a lot to me, the fact that you reference our relationship as, you know, first year and a senior in the way that you then chose to lead because you did such a good job of really ushering the program into, into the new era that it is now, like really being a national powerhouse. So 
the, like you feeling connected to that through you is, is like a prize uh, achievement of my basketball career. I really do see it that way. And, you know, I think it, it reminds me of like now being 32 and someone who's really continued the athletic journey, how important it is to keep our, our inherent enjoyment of what it's like to have a body and use a body and manipulate our body as like the center of it all. Cause I remember those drills and we were talking about change of speed and change of direction and just yeah. like, just enjoying the way that we can manipulate other people and like get the better of them through our skillfulness. Cause right. That's fun. Right. It's fun to like dunk on someone's head if you can, right. Like using <laughs> like that's enjoyable. And someone who's someone who's continued the athletic journey, I can tell you that truly nobody gives a fuck about your body once you're like even when you're like no one even really people might not even care about division three sports it just feels so important we're so young and i'm not saying it's not important because it is it's everything and at the same time no one cares like i can now stand on my hands and for whoever is listening to this you can probably check with yourself how much you care about the fact that i can stand on my hands and that's like a good you know what i mean like and that's like a good litmus test for um zooming it out and not taking it so too seriously, um, even when you're in the moment. Uh, now, look, I care that I stand on my hands tremendously, and that means everything. And the healing that it's brought to um, the imbalances in my shoulder and the awareness that it's given me around manipulating my pelvis and being able to uh, kind of gyroscopically understand what it's like to be upside down is to me everything and tremendously valuable. And same with whoever is playing basketball. Like the fact that you're in learning how to interact with your teammates, engaging deeply in the sport, navigating your competitiveness, bonding with a team, strategizing on how to, on how people work best and like boss people, like literally beat people. Engaging with that process full on is so vital because that's what's going to, that's what's going to bring you all the results of character development and like fun and lifelong bonds. And at the same time, like, nobody else cares and that's okay so to hold both those things at the same time i think makes like a for a really well adjusted um just human who's athletically inclined because i believe that that this process chooses us of being athletes like i can't remember reading it in a book or someone teaching me about it my body was just always like inclined to it and i think that's true for a lot of us so whoever's like nat like navigating that uh, I guess like Dharma cycle right that's been thrown upon us not by our choosing but thank goodness um, I think holding those two things at the same time is going to be really really beneficial. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. It's a hard message to hear when you're 18, like you're saying, and you and you think that you know your sport or your identity as an athlete is truly all it matters so much and and like you said i i, I think the, it, is it does matter so much i'm not it saying, does. i'm not saying it does i'm saying like right. have it matter so much and then go and like just look around at someone else in life and you know maybe your aunt or like no just someone you don't know some random person and ask yourself if that for how much that person cares that you are a good basketball player it's a nice like check <laughs> I think I think Swarthmore, you know, and and I feel like a lot of small D threes are probably a good test of this. You know, some some have very passionate, 
fan bases and and you know a lot of the town's activities revolves around them but but i i remember thinking about swarthmore and you know there were definitely kids on campus who had no idea that we had sports teams and 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 so i think it's it's that that test exactly what you're talking about encapsulated and and i always try to encourage i wrote a blog post recently trying to encourage kids to to reach out and and engage with with people on campus that are completely different than them and maybe it's you go get lunch maybe it's you sign up for their club or like go get information on it because as much as you love your sport you know wouldn't you love to know like what it is that they care about as much as you care about your sport and and to dig into that and um yeah and then maybe you get a new a few new fans in the process if 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 you're like us and maybe had 20 fans at uh at some of those (laughs) mid-season games it's true right and it is the litmus test doesn't work for everybody that's right because people there are fans and people do care and like i think i'm speaking to the logistical reality that that not everybody cares you know there's like a there's like a jewish proverb that that talks about um holding two notes like one in your left pocket one in your right pocket and one of the notes is like the universe was built specifically for me, and the other note is I'm as I'm as insignificant as a grain of sand. And that it's like carrying um, that energy because we have to we have to care. I think we have to care. Like the fact that I care about handstands, which you know you and everyone listening doesn't care about connected me to a dear friend of mine, Iris, practicing handstands waiting while we were both waiting for a bus, who then connected me to Gaga Dance and Oha Naharin, this Juilliard-trained choreographer who invented this like incredible dance style, which then connected me to my current partner. And like, it matters, right? But at the same time, like, if I walk around being like, I'm a handstander, like, come on, right? So a lot, that's sort of, if you're 18 you're walking around like I'm a basketball player it's like of course of course because you know you've only lived 18 years of life and there the kind of the flip side of that is there's someone in your life who sees you as way more than that and to and to believe them when they tell you um, and to allow and there's so anyway this is I'm getting a little vague but I hope I hope that's landing for some people out there yeah yeah I think it does I, I like that having the two different messages in each one in each pocket and, and holding those both together at the same time. Um, yeah, I want to, I want to, I want to, uh, give you a chance to talk about one athletes in transition, but also the, the successive basketball projects that maybe led you there. You worked with the game for a long time. I think if I'm not mistaken, it was something that you, you know, you had dreams to work in basketball. For sure, for sure. And yeah, maybe maybe walk the audience through like where you went. I know you talked about the, the tournament in Tibet, some PGC stuff. You were a practice player with the Seattle Storm. Storm and WNBA, yeah. Yeah, I mean, share some of those experiences and then um, and then maybe we, we close out here with, with some, uh, just I, I can share some from my experience with athletes in transition and then, um, yeah. You, so take, take the okay. floor. It's yours. Sure. So to talk, so to talk through like 
just the things I've done with the game, basically. Yeah, I think I think I think what's valuable is, you know, really allowing because you, you've 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 tried so many things, which, it, at least from my perspective, is way more valuable than trying to say, you know, this is my passion, right? Like I think that's something that's that's thrown on young people a lot of times, like these days, and it's kind of a cop out that if someone in task to give a speech they could be like just follow your passion and that's this amorphous like very difficult to grasp concept and i think you you used a you used your passion to to explore different things yeah and, and it's not it's not like something's going to hit me you took a very active approach and i think i think that just there there are a lot of lessons in that for for kids and in in where you succeeded and where you failed you know Man, I well, I really appreciate hearing that. Um, that is a very interesting one of passion. That's, and I think you're right. Like, well, if you had asked me, probably up until the age of 23, what was my passion and what was and what was my love, I would say I would have said basketball. And I don't like. I think that's great. I don't like when I think about how, what, what passion means to me now and how to find it, I, I would encourage people to, yes, like, that's right. Let me use, let me just, that's right. Let me just tell my story as a, as a, as a means of like, instead of giving some big um, lesson from the top of the mountain that no one's going to really, you know, care about. I had a really bad injury my senior year like really bad. I didn't get to have the senior night I had, you know, that I wanted. I didn't get to fulfill my dreams on the court. I had a bad concussion that forced me to take, not only missed my whole season, but take a medical leave of absence from school and um, left me with a lot of anxiety and depression, which are actual medical, the depression I know for sure is a medical, medically observed side effect of a, a healing brain, a post-concussive syndrome. So I probably would have been depressed at that age, missing my season anyway, but I was on top of that dealing with like the, the chemical and hormonal elements of that. And at that time, I felt like I was breaking up with basketball and that everything that I had done up until that point had been a waste. I felt ashamed. Uh, that I hadn't done more with my life at that moment. I felt like I had wasted my parents' money because my parents very generously paid for my undergraduate education. And I felt like I blew it. I looked at some of my other teammates who were getting jobs in established fields and saw the, what I imagined to be my own future prospects and was devastated. And in building back up from that, what might've looked from the outside as following my passion, what it was following my passion, it was also doing the only thing that I felt like I could, that I felt was, that I was any worthwhile at. And it took me practicing with the storm, which was so fun to all these other experiences to really learn how much, um, how much I could offer outside of the game, but I couldn't have learned that by doing. So one of the things I'm really grateful for in this like follow your passion type of framework is that because I had such a love of basketball, 
and a deep engagement with basketball, I felt like I couldn't stop until it was at the bitter end. Do you know what I mean? Like, like I was in practice with the Seattle Storm. I was looking at the entry-level jobs to get into WNBA and NBA teams. I literally had like befriended one of the dudes. We were talking about his role. He never told me how much money he made, but I saw how much he worked and I saw the quality of life. I had this really formative experience of meeting the president of the Warriors, Rick Welts, when I was in San Francisco. And at the time I was living in Seattle and he had come from Seattle. He got his start in basketball as being a ball boy for the Sonics. And so I was like, we had this connection and I was able to like really talk to him about what I was doing. And he told me, you know, I would have had to work for free nine months to get a shot. I had looked deeply, deeply, deeply at um, the ways that I could work my butt off to become a coach, but then someone could just retire, you know, some athlete could just retire and, and take one of those coveted slots away from me. And who would I, who, would, you know, I couldn't blame them. And I coached at A Plus Youth Program, a nonprofit uh, in Seattle that was in, injecting academic accountability into high level competitive basketball. We, we sent two kids from our program to the NBA and a number of others to D1, and we were giving them all the academic checks, and I was deeply, deeply involved there. And I got sick of it. I was done. I saw that I couldn't do this anymore. I remember coaching my last game and being like, okay, I'm actually done with the world of basketball. So, what did that I, feel like? Well, liberating <laughs> part of, part of the, part of having that injury that I had just started to glimpse, but wasn't yet ready to my, to fully admit to myself was how much of a relief it was to not be playing. Like on some level, it was a relief. And when I really got to what I considered the end of my journey, like my last game coaching, um, at A plus, and I remember I had this amazing book from Point Guard College called called Think Like a Champion, and I remember giving it to Jeremiah Dennis, our starting point guard, who was in seventh grade, and I was like, "It's yours now." And I had annotated that book and held on to it for years, and it just felt so good giving it away. And, um, I felt very proud of myself for having followed it to the bitter end. And whenever people ask me about like kind of this moment of transition, I tell them, "Keep going." Like keep going, like fray the, fray the edges, blow out the speakers. My cousin, he uh, lives in Israel. He's, he's Israel and he was born in Israel. And he was like a really good baseball player, played, did a bunch of Israel national baseball stuff, was a coach, all this type of things. And they have national military service there. And when he was coming out of the military for the first time, this, it happens a little later in Israel because you have to go into the military at 18. For the first time, you know, he was, I think, 23, 24, he was really asking himself, like, what do I do with my life? And he got some tech job and hated it. And he asked me, you know, I'm thinking about going back to baseball. Should I do it? And the answer was like, yes, you know, like ride it until it's absolutely done. Because that to me, that's a, that shows a level of respect for how much we care about a thing. Now that, that I think emotional kind of knowing comes for different people at different times. Like some people are totally ready to hang it up at their senior night and go do their thing. And like, they should, you know what I mean? Like those people, like there's no, uh, the only person who can know that is, is us. Yeah. It's individualized. 
yeah like like i have teammates from college who still play in men's leagues like i could not imagine myself playing in a men's league and they're gonna look at me and be like you're crazy and i'm looking at them being like you're crazy but um you know that's how it goes i thought i was done right and only to be uh invited back in by uh bill johnson who's just like unbelievable you should have him on the podcast i mean he's now doing amazing stuff around core ball in the united states uh which you should all look up uh, pn at pnw core ball is his what his project is now but he at the time was living and coaching in tibet um, working with a basketball program there because like you know carl from your experience in china people in that part of the world just love basketball and he invited me to go and um basically co-produce a basketball tournament out there because they were trying to prove a concept and like we did, I ended up taking two trips out there and we raised money and we had a 10 team tournament. Some teams from China, like literally like Chinese athletes, some Tibetan athletes, um, and then some Americans who would come over and just were like along for the ride. And we proved it. We had a 10 team tournament. They produced it at, in Ritoma, in the, in the village um, that's really preserving Tibetan culture there. Such a beautiful experience. And I remember after that, I was like, okay, you know, I remember I, I had been given these basketball shoes from my coaching days by um, a member of the Stanford women's basketball team because I had become friends with her and was on campus visiting her. And she gave me these Nikes. And those were my basketball shoes for like years. And I remember leaving those in Tibet. And I was like, okay, now, 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 that was the last one, right? So, um, but that's to me speaks to like how important it is and how valuable it is to be engaging in these shared body languages because those people in Tibet did care that I could shoot a basketball. And, you know, it wasn't pretentious being a foreigner over there because I had something that they legitimately were curious about and they had something that I was legitimately curious about. And like, that's amazing. Um, so I might be getting off track, but I, I found that that, that there were ways of experimenting and being with the game that really resonated with me in ways that didn't. And I don't know, for me, it always felt very natural to, to try. Um, I never wanted to be a weekend warrior. I, I always wanted to be someone who continues to play, but not like just on the weekends is, is continues to, for me, play means like, play like literally being in these contexts you know um but it also means like continuing to carry the spirit of the athlete you know and uh yeah i, I think i'm getting off track but let me, let me just pause there uh, i think that's that's about the experience. yeah no, it, it's a good way to it's a it's a good point at which to yeah to fold into athletes in transition and 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 I can give the listeners a little context and, and please feel free to correct me or fill in the gaps where I missed something here. But Greeny approached me with this idea. You know, he and I had been chatting periodically throughout COVID and just talking about, you know, our general body health experience with basketball. And, and, and I ex expressed to Greeny, I think some, some desire to keep playing, but, you know, kind of like, residual hip or knee pain and, and all this stuff. And he's like, he's like, do you think there'd be any value in like, we, we put all this time into athletes on the front end recruiting, blah, blah, blah. What if we, what if we had that same focus as 
athletes were leaving college and, you know, finding, like you mentioned, where the person was in terms of how committed they were to continuing their sport, if they were completely done after senior night, or if they, you know, want to go play pro and, and give them the tools to, to, to think about how to make that sport their own and, and also how to re-engage with their body. And, and not, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say not quite PT, like p- physical therapy, but, but developing an awareness of, of how something that maybe you always did for your sport was contributing or leading to some, some kind of, um, some kind of pain. And then, um, on top of that, it, you know, like get, get a group of athletes together and get everyone in the same room and from different sports, different backgrounds, and just talking about their shared experience. And, um, there could be something really cathartic there. And after, after, uh, after a while of talking about it, we, we did, we had the first cohort of athletes in transition. It was, um, myself, uh, an athlete from RPI and an athlete from NYU and Greeny Lettuce. So it was the four of us meeting periodically and um, had a great time. Felt, felt like learned a lot from, from their experiences and, and yeah, and, and learned, I think, a lot about my body and, and, and how to think about how I, like you said, seek out play or, or find enjoyment both in basketball and other forms of activity now that I'm, you know, not, not, not in college and, and in my own person. So I don't, I don't know what you would add to that, but. Well, I'd be very curious for people to hear what, what you got out of it and how it, how it's uh, positively impacted you. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think some of the most important things were, were thinking about, you know, like what our motivators were for exercising, right? You know, for, for so long, you as a college athlete have these performance standards kind of given to you from, from an authority figure, from a coach, uh, weightlifting, you know, trainer, whatever, whatever it is. And I think it was really helpful just to talk through with, with the group about, you know, like what, what we each used as personal motivators. Now, now that all those other things were gone and, and, and try to be, develop an awareness of, of maybe how that was positive in some ways, but also could have detracted from, from our love of the game or, um, of the sport that we were playing and, and how to re retool our own ideas and and motivators. Now that we were out of school, I think that was really helpful. Um, I think, I think developing it. Yeah. Developing a new framework for, for movement and, um, trying to just explore different types of movement practices. And um, yeah, in, in a lot of ways, I feel like what what yoga is like, the first time someone does yoga, it's like a, a very different experience than, you know, it's a lot slower. It's not as active as a basketball or a football, but you move your bodies in ways that you're not used to doing. And I think in the same way, some of the movement work that we did in Athletes in Transition was similar in that it, um, yeah, it was, it was just different. And, and I think ultimately helped to help me to better understand my body. And, and I think the, the other people in the class would say the same thing. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, I love, I love that you got that out of the course. I going for me, going back to what we, what we talked about earlier of how 
um, competition, the idea of competition really engages us and, and narrows our focus to move our bodies and think about our bodies in the context of competence. Like, how can I improve? How can I refine so I can have this goal so I could win? And so much of what I wanted to do in Athletes in Transition was show people that that is by probably most likely how they're still relating to their bodies and to take them back to a time before the competence uh, like skin was laid over before the competition skin was laid over to a time when they were just a person who was really enjoying the power and capacity of their body like that because that's what's going on in all of us and then at some point early on someone gives us a ball or a hockey stick or whatever or someone praises us or someone buys us a t-shirt that has you know the sport on it and then people around us oh my god you you like that sport don't you and you know what god bless them because raising a human being is hard work and i've never done it you know so i'm not trying to like um thank goodness they're trying to connect with me and engage with me geez um but that leaves an impression right of oh okay i'm supposed to do this with my body whereas really what's going on is we're all just people who love being in bodies and love using them and testing them and competing with other people and and comparing and developing skills. So I wanted to return people like, what if, what if we, as people were leaving this uh, environment and cocoon where your competitive, your competitiveness and your competence is what's valued as we're coming on the other side of that in which, you know, your competitiveness and competence is no longer valued in the same way. That's what I kind of mean by no one cares about your, right? Like no one cares, like you should have free throw anymore. What now? And I thought through Athletes in Transition, we can reconnect people to, well, the what now is finding joy and playfulness and engagement with our body on our terms. And using that, reconnecting to that joy as a pathway to expanding our identity to include who we our core like our core sport and expand to include all these other things all these other things and also as athletes to really see that we do love we're very embodied people even if that term you're like what the heck does that mean or like this is too woo woo like the the basic of it is you enjoy having physical capacity you enjoy the fact that you can jump high and run fast and do things and we can actually tap into that to apply that in different contexts, but also like have you explore what it means to relate from a place of curiosity and having options versus narrowing and trying to beat somebody else. So that's, that's what we're like really, really trying to help people with. Yeah, so and where can people? Part? Yeah. I think. That's great. Where can people find out more information? If they're, if, if you got a current D3 athlete or maybe former, where, where can they learn more? 
Yeah. So the dates, the dates aren't, um, are a little outdated on the website, but they can go to athletes in transition course.com and drop a line. Um, they could also just email me. I think that's the best way. Like if people want to just talk to me, they can just talk to me. And it's Andrew at andrewgreenblackcoaching.com. That's like the umbrella that I use for all the athlete stuff and all the career stuff and all the mindfulness stuff. Great. I'll just, I'll make sure to put that URL then andrewgreenblackcoaching.com in, uh, in the show notes and people can, people can talk to you there, reach out to learn more. It really is a cool thing that Greeny's doing. Um, and again, you know, beyond just the athlete stuff, he does have this active coaching practice. Not sure if you're, you're, you're looking for new clients at the moment, but, but the testimonials on the website um, are, are pretty strong. And, you know, from my own experience in working with him, he is, a, he is an incredible listener and in, in someone who, who really is thoughtful. So if, if, you, need, if you need guidance, if, you need, um, if you're, you're stuck in a position, he is uh, someone you can definitely turn to for that. For sure. I, I'd love to hear from anyone from the D3 Direct community. So that's that's great. Strong. Well, we're coming up here on about an hour, so I think we should wrap it up. Um, but Greeny, we, we always try to end with the same question. If you could give advice to a 17, 18-year-old person about to enter you know, the, the heat, the, the, the biggest part of college recruiting with what you know now, what advice would you share with them? You only get one recruiting process. You only get one. And um, have fun. Like, enjoy, enjoy it. You only get one time meeting your teammates for the first time. You only get one time evaluating coaches, touring campuses. Like it only, ha it really only happens once. And uh, just to, you're looking for a, a concrete way to savor that. Maybe once, once a day or so, pause for 10 to 30 seconds and just breathe and soak in a joyful moment that's happening during that process. Maybe a coach sent you a letter or uh, like you played really well at a camp or you're about to go on a recruiting visit or you're meeting a, a potential future teammate for the first time, like pause, breathe, savor, enjoy that because it's you, you only get one and it's a unique time of life. It's so valuable. Yeah, especially when you don't know when it can be taken, you know, as, as COVID or COVID illustrated or an injury pop up it's it's uh yeah you know, you only you only get the one run through so soak it in All right, wisdom, wisdom per usual this was so fun thank you so much for having me and, and uh and keeping this project going really respecting what you're doing here yeah it's been fun you've been you've been around since the start to see 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 it from its infancy into yeah. we'll, we'll call it elevated infancy here um but, I really but, hope Coach McTay is out there listening somewhere. Yeah, you, you give some shout outs here. Shout out Coach McShay. You know, I'm just really, I really hope he's listening. Like, I don't know where he's at, but I'm, I'm pumped, pumped to potentially hear from him. Out coaching high school basketball in Winters, <laughs> Winters High School, if, if I'm not mistaken. 
still uh, still staying connected to the game. He was the he was our shared assistant coach, um, someone I, I knew for a while and a, and a great guy. So, yeah, we'll definitely yeah. make sure and to I give it to him. Want to shout out. Yeah, make sure to give it to him. Last one. I just I just want to uh, shout out Coach Wimberly. May he rest in peace. Um, really grateful to to him for bringing you and I together and for believing in me and giving a chance to play college basketball. Um, I know he has a has had a really big heart and um, had a extremely good judge of character. So may he rest in peace. And I'm really grateful for for the way he uh, brought our lives together. Mm-hmm. Well said. Yeah. Well, right, Greeny, thanks again. This has been uh, another episode of the Student Athlete Sessions presented by D3 Direct. If you like this, if you learned something from it and you want to learn more, check out our earlier episodes. The link is in the bio of our Twitter page, Instagram, YouTube. Um, the, the podcast is hosted on all the sites where you might listen, Spotify, Apple. So give it, give it a listen. And as we mentioned, uh, we'll post Greeny's information in the show notes so you can find out more about him and the course he's offering and see if it's a fit for you. So Greeny, thanks again. Thank you, Carl. See you. All right. See you soon.